Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent, with your host, Miriam Connor. According to world-renowned self-regulation expert, Dr. Stuart Shanker, there is no such thing as a bad kid. Even the most frustrating, annoying, or troubling child behavior has an explanation. And that explanation, according to Dr. Shanker, is usually stress. Dr. Shanker is here today to discuss his book, Self-Reg, How to Help Your Child and You Break the Stress Cycle and Engage with Life. Dr. Stuart Shanker is a distinguished research professor emeritus of philosophy and psychology at York University and founder of the Merit Center LTD. He's a world-leading authority and best-selling author on the topic of self-regulation and child development and the former president of the Council of Early Child Development. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm very happy to have you here. I think what you're doing, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I think what you're doing is, is just really very, very interesting and very, um, just just really a, a great thing and necessary and something I think maybe a lot of parents maybe really haven't thought about, the self, self-reg, that's the name of your book, you know, how to help your child and you break the stress cycle and successfully engage with life. What made you write this book? Uh, well, uh, I ran a, a very special laboratory at my university, uh, and on one side it was a brain lab, and on the other side it was a clinic. And so we did therapy with the kids, and then looked inside their brain, see what was happening. And this is part of a revolution that's occurring in neuroscience. Um, parents don't know about it yet. But we have made discoveries, we are making discoveries that are just changing everything we ever thought about, you know, how to raise a healthy kid. And so it was pretty clear that we had to figure out a way of writing a book that parents could understand and then use the ideas. And that's why I wrote it. That's great. That's great. And you're saying it's very exciting. You know, you're saying we're making discoveries that are changing the ways we thought, you know, about what we thought about raising healthy kids. It's like, what, what is that? What do you mean? <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit. So just tell us maybe if some listeners aren't hundred percent familiar with self-regulation in general, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, I studied self-regulation at Oxford for many years. And what we looked at there was um, it's a scientific theory that actually goes back to the beginning of the 20th century Uh, by an American, as it happens, Walter Cannon. And uh, in the last couple of years, we've uh, developed technologies that let us look deep inside the brain. And here's what we've discovered. There are essentially five layers of self-regulation. So there are five, we talk about five main layers in the brain, and each one of them has their own uh, way of handling stress. 
for a scientist, stress is anything that requires the brain to burn energy so that the system keeps humming along, stays in balance. So uh, I'll give you a real simple example. At the very bottom of the brain, there's a mechanism that measures how much oxygen is in your bloodstream. And as you know, everybody knows it should be around 97, 98%. If it drops below 94%, this system in the brainstem um, causes you, without you knowing this is happening, it causes you to breathe faster and breathe deeper and bring the oxygen levels back up. So we start going up uh, through the mechanisms, the self-regulating mechanisms, mechanisms that respond to stress to keep us in balance. And then we get to the very top of the brain and that's the thinking part of the brain. And so here we can teach our kid how to do things that will make it easier for them to stay in balance. I'll give you an example. Uh, this morning, it is minus 15 where I live. Centigrade. And No, thanks. <laughs> so I got my second son um, was ready to go to school wearing shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's okay, great. I got to tell you, this kid is almost 18 and he's about to go to school <laughs> in, in shorts and a t-shirt. So, you know, you think there's a certain point uh, where they'll be smart enough to know that you should be wearing long pants, a sweater, and a coat. Uh-uh. Anyways, um, after a little bit of a tussle, we had to get it. We got them to change. But that's actually what we're doing is we're making it easier to self-regulate because the brain says, oh, geez, it's cold. It's minus 15. And it does all kinds of things to prevent your body temperature from dropping too much. So if I wear a hat and coat and things like that, my brain doesn't have to work as hard. And that means that I have extra energy, glucose, so that I can go to school and I can concentrate better. And when we're, what we're learning now are all these ways that we can help our kids learn how to manage the stresses in their life, the things that burn energy, so that they have enough energy that they can be happy, that they can concentrate, um, that they don't get into trouble, things like that. So that's essentially what self-regulation refers to. And I know you talk about, you know, being able to recognize as a parent when children become dysregulated and, you know, what to do about it. And um, so I think that's really important to just have that awareness as a parent about yourself, first of all, right? Am I, <laughs> am I becoming dysregulated as a parent? Is my child and why and what can we do about it? So, uh, Miriam, you said two things there that are both incredibly important. So the first one is that one of the recent discoveries is that we have a sort of brain-to-brain -brain connection hookup with our kid. It's called the interbrain. And what it is, is it's like a like a Bluetooth connection, a wireless connection between my brain and my kid's brain. Now, if I, as a parent, if I'm irritated or agitated or angry, it doesn't really matter what I say because uh, the message that's going along that interbrain is that I'm irritated or agitated or angry. That's all the kid hears. The kid doesn't hear your words because that message goes deep into the child's brain, into their limbic system. But we really want to do self-reg. We really have to do it on ourselves first. 
uh, we have to be calm and grounded. And there's a great story in that book you you mentioned, Self-Reg, about uh, a mom we worked with that was having a lot of trouble with her 13-year-old daughter. Um, and it was as simple as getting her to ground herself, to calm herself, so that she didn't get into these two-hour fights every night. The second part of what you said is, how do I know when my kid is um, not so much dysregulated? Because that's easy. When your kid's dysregulated, they're, you know, they're all over the map. It's like, uh, it's like a temper tantrum. But what we really want, uh, what we really want to know are what are the signs when they, when they are you know, on the verge of meltdown, when they're going down that pathway? That's when we can, we can prevent it. And it turns out that there are all kinds of signals. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we teach is what those signals are and then what to do about them. So I'll give you just one example. When a child is overstressed, so not, not self-regulating properly, their voice changes. Uh, they, it goes up in pitch. Uh, they may speak a little uh, more quickly. Um, uh, and a kind of a jerky pattern. And uh, so we've done studies, you know, asking uh, parents who couldn't see the child when the child was starting to become, you know, uh, going into what we call red brain, which is a sort of meltdown state. And they can always do it just by voice alone. And in fact, if you think about it, it's really something that every parent knows. You know, your kid can be in another room uh, and and you hear this tone of voice and, you know, right away you say, uh oh, what's interesting is how often this occurs with older kids, with teenagers. And we don't realize that uh, my uh, in this case, my 17 going on 18 year old um, was really behaving like a three year old. Uh, they regress uh, and they regress in terms of what their, how their brain is functioning and really can't think properly, can't think things through. And so what we want to do is when this is happening, um, we don't want to explain, we don't want to lecture because they're not going to process it. What we want to do is we want to get them back into balance. How do we do that? Well, we regulate them. We, we act as that external brain that calms down the stress response. Uh, do you want me to tell you how we do it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so this is another recent discovery. So uh, now I, I just got to uh, tell everybody, Miriam warned me at the beginning, this is supposed to be conversational. So that means- No, no, but this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. This is very interesting and, and keep going. <laughs> okay, so, so here's a recent discovery. So now we're talking about a discovery that's only 10 years old. Um, Deep inside the lower parts of the brain, in an area called the diencephalon, there's a little system. And when we have a stress, um, it initiates this neurochemical response. So remember what I said, a stress is anything that requires us to burn energy. Um, and so we need energy. And where's the energy going to come from? Well, it's going to come from uh, the energy that's stored, that's in your bloodstream or stored in your fat cells. So the brain does this incredible thing where it triggers this 
neurochemical uh, reaction uh, and step by step, uh, it taps into all this energy that you need. But the thing is, there's stresses everywhere, things that cause us to burn energy. Uh, it could be physical stresses uh, like light or noise or cold weather. It could be emotional stresses. It can be social stresses. And in fact, there in the theory, there are five domains of stress and we look at all of them. So if we are, we, we, we use this expression, you know, we're bathed in stress. So how do we ever survive? Like if that were the case, it means that we should be, we should be burning energy all the time. And what they discovered was in that very same, it's called the nucleus, a group of neurons in that same nucleus in the hypothalamus, those neurons that get activated when there's a stress so that we get the energy right beside them in the same tiny little system, there are other neurons that turn off the stress response. And they, they do that by releasing oxytocin. And what oxytocin does is it turns off the stress. So, okay, this is really cool. We've got a tiny little part of the brain. And in this tiny little system, on the one side, there's stress neurons. On the other side, there's, there's turning off the stress. Now, we know what turns on the stress response, and that's stress. What turns it off? What, what triggers the oxytocin? And for most of their life, the answer is we do. How? Well, we trigger oxytocin, for example, by hugging our child, our child or stroking our child. Our child has receptors in their skin that release oxytocin when the skin is gently stroked. We release we trigger oxytocin when we speak to them in soft, soothing tones. When uh, a soft, soothing look will trigger oxytocin. So a kid's first need when they are overstressed is us. We turn off the stress response. We don't do it by yelling at them. We don't do it by lecturing them. We do it by triggering oxytocin. And you learn, you know, what are the best ways to trigger oxytocin? The part I didn't tell you about this morning was when my son, my son was, you know, he was a little bit... Off the wall, and what I did before I before I told him, you know, that he had to, you know, go go change, was I said, you know, Dad really needs a morning hug, uh, so I can do some good work. So he came over and he gave me a nice hug, and I could feel the oxy. I literally could feel the oxytocin that was beginning to turn off his stress response, and then. When the muscles were less rigid, I said to him, you know, it's pretty cold out there. Do me a favor, go put on, go put on pants and a sweater and get your coat and hat. And he did. Because mm. in that balanced state with the stress response turned off, then they can process, then they can hear. So this wonderful mechanism that nature designed, and that's an example of how recent discoveries, what I meant when I said. Uh, how recent discoveries are really transforming our view of parenting, of how to help our children become healthy and learn how to do this for themselves, learn how to recognize for themselves when they are becoming anxious, when they are becoming overly tense, and how to identify and reduce the stresses 
and seek out something that will get them back to balance. Yeah, that's a great, and that's a great story and great example. I'm sure your son loves it when you use him for example. No, um, I, do no. that. I do that to my kids all the time. Oh, no, you're going to hear this show. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, um, no, I think that's, I think that's really great as you were talking about that and the whole thing and the whole story with your son. It was like, I was thinking, you know, some parents might say, I, I, you know, in that situation, it's like, listen, I'm busy. I'm rushing around yeah. in the morning. Just do what I said. Put your coat on. This is ridiculous. Yeah. You're going to free, you know, yeah. you're being ridiculous. Those kind of things or just, you have to just listen because that's what I tell you to do, blah, 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 you know, rushing around. And, and that just would like, whether obviously, you know, you were right and he was wrong, obviously, but that wasn't the issue. And, yeah. and it was, that would have just, um, you know, escalated the stress and you just, you got stopped. it. You got it. You got it. Yeah. You just took a moment got him to give you that hug. It wasn't a big deal. And then, like you said, then he calmed down and you could say, you know, yeah, uh, just grab your, come on, just grab your coat. Da, da. And like you said, at that point, then he was relaxed and then he could stop a second himself and think, you know, to just, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's, you know, negative 15 degrees. <laughs> now I've got to add a further, there's a further scientific dis discovery. Okay. Um, yeah. So every parent says, thinks to themselves, well, I mean, you know, if you go outside in minus 15 in, in, in shorts and a t-shirt, you're going to be freezing. So, you know, is it that they're not smart? That Are they just right. stupid? And one of the other discoveries we've made is that um, there's another part of the, this is also recent. Um, there's a part of the, of the brain that we need for awareness, self-awareness, to know when we are really cold. And for example, and so when you get overstressed, that system is blocked, that system shuts down. And so you don't actually notice, you don't feel the cold. Now this discovery has huge implications because it's really helping us understand uh, a phenomenon like um, obesity. Um, one of the balancing systems, or being overweight, one of the balancing systems uh, in, in the brain is we release these hormones that um, make us stop eating. It's called gridlin. So it, 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 overeating feels ooky. It feels uncomfortable. And it stops us because we've now got enough energy in the system. So why do people overeat? And for a long time, we thought, well, you know, it's because they lack willpower. But now we know that willpower has absolutely nothing to do with the issue. And what happens is when you're overstressed, and God knows all of us are overstressed these days, you don't notice, you don't feel the graylet. You don't feel these unpleasant sensations, you'll keep on eating because there are other sensations, sedative effects. So here's an example of something you mentioned at the outset. You know, you talked about how it's as important for us as it is for our kids. Well, there's not a parent around that's not overstressed these days. Um, and apart from everything else that's going on in our world, our kids are... Uh, in huge numbers dealing with anxiety and, you know, basically dysregulated behavior. So in this situation, we reach unconsciously for something to keep ourselves going. 
that's why we overeat. That's why we, or we reach for a drink or we get hooked on something stupid like Candy Crush. Um, all of these are triggering a chemical called dopamine that keeps us going, but it's maladaptive. It's much better for us to not overeat. It's better for us to not spend hours on some silly video game. The problem is that when we're out of balance, um, and balance is something that goes deep into those five systems I mentioned in the brain, when we're out of balance, we don't feel. Our, our, our awareness shuts down. So we learn. It's as much about learning what's going on in my child or my teenager. It's as much about learning about what's going on in me. What are the signs of when I'm overstressed? I had a great one uh, just last night. Uh, I usually sleep pretty good. And I woke up last night in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep. And that's a sign that I'm overstressed. And in fact, I had a really heavy day yesterday and I paid the price that night. Um, so we learn how to interpret these signs and then what to do about it to get myself back into balance. So it works for us as much as it works for my kid. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. There's no inventory shortage here. Test drive a new Mazda today. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And maintenance is no charge for one year. Plus, Mazda certified pre-owned vehicles with a balance of a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Come experience our new Retail Evolution dealership created solely with the customer in mind. We provide a premium experience that customers expect and deserve. Test drive a new Mazda today at your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, where my family shops for cars. MazdaKent.com, MazdaKent.com. And I know you talk about um, misbehavior, misbehavior versus stress behavior, where some parents might think this is, you know, a certain situation. They're just misbehaving. Um, they don't want to do what I say. They're just acting out. And so what do you, I know that you say sometimes that may not be the case. It may be their stress behavior. So it's a great example of one of the consequences of all this. Um, misbehavior is something that my kids done deliberately. You know, they want to see what they can get away with or, you know, they're lying uh, uh, to cover up what they've done. Stress behavior is something else entirely. Stress behavior is not intentional. The child's not choosing or the teen's not choosing what they're doing. Uh, and a great example is anxiety is a stress behavior. Kids not choosing to be anxious. Something deep inside the brain is causing them to be anxious. The problem is, if we confuse them, if we say my child is anxious and I yell at my kid, um, you know, they're anxious and not going to school because of social anxiety, and I think it's laziness, I think it's a misbehavior, and I yell at them or force them, I can actually make things worse. Uh, so what I need to do, especially with 
younger kids is I need to learn what are the signs of stress behavior. Because if it's stress behavior, I don't want to add to the stress. Instead, what I want to do is I want to lower the stress. I want to return them to balance. And there are all kinds of signs. I mentioned the voice is one. Um, their face is another. Skin color changes. Uh, goes a little pasty. Eyes change. Uh, their posture changes, how they walk. So, you know, you'll learn all these things. You learn how to identify when it's stress behavior and when what they need. Now, I gave you a great example. My kid's behavior this morning uh, going out the door was stress behavior. Why was he overstressed? Well, that would take another show to tell you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's 18. They're all overstressed these days. It's pretty yeah. tough. Um, but the point is it was stress behavior. The point is what he needed was a shot of oxytocin, not to be, not to be harangued for um, being stupid. Uh, and then by giving them the oxytocin, which turns off the stress response, he felt cold. He felt, um, it, it's pretty cold in my house this morning, and he started to shiver. So that's fascinating that, that before that, he didn't feel it. So what we're doing when we make this distinction between misbehavior and stress behavior is we're tapping into that interbrain so that we can feel the stress that my kid is feeling. And we can feel, literally feel, when my kid is relaxing, when the balance is returning. Does that explain it? Yeah, definitely. It's a great example. And as you were talking, correct me if I, I feel like this fits in, but, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, the stress and being able to uh, sense that and see the signs, recognize the signs in your kids. And and I, I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's something important to also realize or remember that just because something may not cause me stress, it, it may great. be different for one of my kids, you know, cause I, I know sometimes, you know, one of my kids will be like, Oh, you know, something. And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, that's such not a big deal, but to them, I guess it is. So I can, I can give you a terrific example. It's a very important point. Um, my, I was telling Miriam before the show, my older boy has autism. And so one of the things, if you've got a kid on the spectrum is you got to be really careful when you make mashed potatoes. If there's any bit of skin, potato skin in the mashed potatoes, the kid's going to freak out. So the very first time this happened, it doesn't bother us at all. And so we thought that he's just, uh, he's just acting up, you know, eat your damn potatoes. It's just a tiny bit of skin. But in fact, for him, it was an enormous stress. And we can actually explain this now scientifically. I won't now. So we have a simple lesson for parents. And that lesson is no kid, no two kids are the same in what they find right. stressful. And the little buggers change on you all the time. <laughs> That's funny. Right. And so just to be, you know, that, that awareness and being in tune with your kids and, yeah. and realizing that, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I can talk to my kid about like, I, you know, here's why I don't think that's stressful or here's because I think, you know, I can see, you know, what the outcome will be. Maybe you can have that conversation, but you know, I understand that that would 
you know, cause you a little stress at the moment and things like that. But just to realize that instead of blowing them off, you yeah. know, like, oh, this, it's not a big deal. You got it. Yeah. And I know that you also talk about, you know, lack of self-control can be a sign of excessive stress load. So again, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're just out of control because I mean, you know, th- there's usually a reason behind it. What What is the reason for that? So, um, you know, I mentioned how we've been able now to go deep, deep into the what's called the midbrain, which is sits right on top of the uh, right on top of the brainstem. And what we found is that when this system in the midbrain goes into imbalance, and that's what we've been talking about all day today, shuts down all kinds of things. So it shuts down awareness. It shuts down problem solving or thinking. And it shuts down self-control. You cannot, you cannot tell anything to the midbrain. The midbrain doesn't understand language. The midbrain's really primitive, really ancient. The midbrain only responds to being soothed, restoring the balance. When you do, what will happen is the self-control will come back online. If your kid, uh, so we talk about all these signs of of um, stress behavior, of red brain. And one of the big ones is the lack of self-control. If my kid's not demonstrating self-control, that tells me that that midbrain is in what we call homeostatic imbalance. Too much stress has, has tripped them into what's called hyperarousal. And so we got to soothe. Um, if we want self-control, we're going to get it by soothing, not by shouting. Hmm. And that's what happened with you this morning. Yeah. So that's a great, great example. And I think that this takes more time, you know, right. And a little more thoughtfulness than just do it, you know, that kind of thing. So that's something that, you know, but it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, it's worth it. Trust me. It's worth it. Yeah. I mean, all I can tell you is that my kid's going to come home today and he won't have a cold. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. No, I think this is really interesting. You're obviously very smart and it's just really interesting. All of the brain, you know, the discoveries and everything you talk about and just this whole thing. I think it's, I think it's very interesting. And um, I know in your book, you know, you have your, you have your own, the Schenker method yes. of self-regulation, yes. which is really cool. I won't talk. You're fine. I won't talk about. Go ahead. Today. <laughs> you read okay. Right. Well. Right. I mean, people are going to get the book, and they can they can read about your. You know, you have that five step method and your framework to deal with stress, right? And so yeah. I think that's that's something that people would really enjoy reading about. Yeah. So I know this went very quickly, Doctor Schenker. I'm really glad that you came. I think it's very interesting. I think this is something that people can can read your book and continue to learn more about and can go to your website um, and definitely learn more about that. So maybe tell us how to get in touch with you, where to find you and the book and all of that. If they go to self-reg.ca, um, they can get all kinds of free information and learn more about uh, the parenting courses that we have or uh, get copies of the book or other books. Okay, great. And so they can find the book there. They can connect with you there and all that stuff. I know I was on the website too. And there, there I was I was reading a lot of um, stuff on there. And it was really, really, really good, valuable information. So I thank you so much for being here. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Miriam. I've had fun with you this morning. Thanks. Me too. Sponsored by the all new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. 
and Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.